This is the story of a beautiful place known as the happiest place on earth. And all of its history, its secrets, and its tricks that you may find if your mind believes in design. And you allow your heart to believe in magic. Step inside and become a citizen of Disneyland. Greetings, fellow citizens of Disneyland. Welcome to episode 67 of Disneyland for Designers. And for the first time ever, I'm going to be putting the free portion of the podcast up over on YouTube. So when you see these show up over on YouTube, it's just uh, an audio podcast. Haven't got into doing a video podcast. That's a lot of work, a lot of setup. So hopefully you'll just enjoy playing these in the background like all of the podcast audience has. Today's episode, Philander Butler rejoins me to talk all about Avengers Camp. Last episode, episode 66, it was me and members of Club 1313. We kind of sit around and reviewed some of the, the failures of the opening of Avengers Campus. And I wanted to put it in two different episodes because all of the failures of the opening of this land were really around operations, right? And, and no big problem on Disney's part because they only failed or kind of missed the the bar or the, the the standard of quality that they normally hit because they were opening up a new land during the tail end of a pandemic where everybody's kind of already over the things that we needed to do as a society as citizens of Disneyland to come together to to you know get back to what we felt as normal and normal my friends normal hit the park last Tuesday the big return to normal at Disneyland I was there to celebrate one everybody coming back from out of state and it was also there to celebrate the the mask going away all of the different mandates the rides are full the show buildings are full the stores are full the restaurants are full which means the paths at disneyland are back to being wide open last week was a magical week out at the resort and with this magic we saw avengers campus really settle in as of tuesday uh, the standby line went away there's a little bit of a backup early in the morning but from what i've seen by midday it's a free roll right in there of course web slingers you still have to do a mobile boarding group to get inside of there um i wouldn't be surprised if that doesn't go away in a while but everything that we talked about in the members only podcast was sort of like you know we went on opening day and this is the things that went wrong and if you show up for things on opening day you're kind of going for excuse the bad language i try not to curse in my disney content but i think that the term shit show is appropriate that's what you show up for that's what you get that's part of being numero uno into these new things and you kind of show up just to see the chaos that is disneyland but the land has definitely settled in. I was there uh, Tuesday, Friday, and Saturday of last week, and they've now appointed schedules for when the different shows happen. I'm a little bit torn on that. I understand people wanting to know when Spider-Man's going to fly, but it was really kind of exciting when it just happened randomly. Uh, when it happened randomly, you also kind of got a better spot to stand in because you just happen to be in the right place at the right time. And I kind of feel like that's what would have made Avengers campus what it's supposed to be. Just this area where anyone, anything can happen at any particular moment in time, but they also do need to keep guest experiences 
uh, up and keep people happy. So I understand the shifting. But what I think is interesting about Galaxy's Edge in comparison, Galaxy's Edge, they're very headstrong on like, these are the rules. This is the way that it is. It's going to stay that way. Avengers Campus has already been adapting very, very quickly out of the gate. So today's conversation, my good friend, Philander Butler, VIP tour guide for Disneyland, sits down and we just talk about all of the things that make this land awesome. My critique has been well documented. Today's episode is about how this space can transform in the future, how it can act as an unbelievable new precedent in storytelling and theme parks, how it can act as a, a once in a lifetime transitional space for Marvel to promote uh, different projects as it is just down the road from the studios from Hollywood where a lot of these projects get birthed and for uh, where a lot of these stars live. So it's a really interesting new chapter in Disneyland history and no one better to share it with than my good friend Philander Butler, uh, often reoccurring co-hosts here on Disneyland for Designers. Today's episode and all episodes are always made possible by club1313.com. When you become a member, not only do you get exclusive episodes of Disneyland for Designer, but you always get the bonus content. And today members will get nearly an extra hour of conversation in part two. Uh, I hate to leave some of you out of part two of the conversation, but I am running a business and for people that sign up and join, you are the reason why this podcast can come out weekly and why YouTube videos can show up Monday through Friday. And uh, I sincerely appreciate you. And I always try to reward you with as much bonus content as possible, as well as our amazing community over in our Discord server, where that thing is always buzzing, full of people who are like, this is a space in my life where I'm always allowed to talk about Disneyland and no one rolls their eyes, they just add in on more and more conversation. Before we get started with today's episode, one last little thing I want to drop on you. Next week, I'm doing a very special podcast and this is a series that I hope will grow. As you know, we do series where we look at certain parts of the park and break down the design, uh, sort of the emotional and intellectual stories of various parts of the park. There's some episodes called Citizens of Disneyland, where I interview people that have just exuded excellent citizenship and have really shown how they are the best of what Disneyland brings out in people. But something that I'm very excited to, to start doing again, I've done this before with Mr. Cheesy Pop, my, my bud Max. I've done this before with Justin Scard, but what I'd love to do now that the pandemic is over with and we can talk about, you know, sort of different parts other than uh, how bad do you miss Disneyland? Next week on the show, I'm going to have Katie and Spencer from Best Life and Beyond on, and I'm going to really talk to them about their story, how they got into being YouTube creators, what about the Disneyland story attracted to them to live in their life where they're ripping through the parks, holding up a camera, trying to document it and share it with so many people. So it'll be a really fun uh, episode and hopefully kicking off a new series where I start to give conversations with the creators that have made Disneyland something that you can now daily go over to YouTube, go over to your favorite podcast app, hit play, and always feel like you have a key to the kingdom whenever you're not there. And one of the things I've loved about YouTube and so many of the creators I follow is that it just gives you a way on the daily, on the regular, to feel like you're inside of the park when you're not there and to explore parks maybe you've never been to before. So I definitely want to start having lots of conversations with lots of different creators. And I'm so excited to kick that series off with Best Life and Beyond and hopefully have some of those other creators back on the show again when we can do 
something other than pretend like we're at Disneyland because that's what we did when the park was closed. All right, friends, what do you say we get started with episode 67 with Philander Butler? Everything that we love about Avengers Campus, we literally go through every nook and cranny talking about how much we love this new land. And uh, as I said, the constructive criticism was released last week for members only, but this episode here is all love, all positivity about this new thing that fell into all of our laps. Yeah, we got a new land at Disneyland this month. Wow, life is back and life is going really, really fast. Thank you so much to members of Club1313.com for making today's episode and all episodes available. Philander Butler, welcome back to Disneyland for Designers. I'm back. It's been too long. He is so busy that if it sounds a little bit different, that's because we are backstage Oh, at Bricky's house. <laughs> I like the slow reveal of that, too. They're like, <laughs> their Batiste Philander got him somewhere. That's, in the <laughs> that was my pause of like, I might actually get him in trouble by saying that. Like, hey, bud, uh, we heard you did a podcast backstage. We're currently, uh, we're currently sitting in a boat in the Jungle Cruise backstage <laughs> right now. Yeah, too bad you guys can't be back here, but it's going to be sick when it reopens. <laughs> we have Philander here to talk all about Avengers Campus. Now, I did my critical review Mm -hmm. with members of Club 1313, and I have to say, like, just get it out of the gate, my critical review was about operations. Yes. And I don't want to have that conversation with you because it's unfair and, you know, just not, not the appropriate time or place. Then I don't run it either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of, of course, of course. You don't, you don't do it. But you know, just not the time or place. So yeah. my critical review for anybody who's like, oh, how can we trust his opinion because he's positive about everything? My critical review is about operations. Got it. But the best thing about operations are is they can improve day to day. And I've now been to the campus twice, mm-hmm. and I already witnessed some of those operations improving. So that's something that you don't really put too much stress on because it will get better also as demand goes down and it settles mm-hmm. in you know it, it becomes a different thing but today what we're talking about is the actual land avengers campus the idea the concept we're just going to walk right through it right now and just go from it piece by piece all right so philander when i first come into the courtyard that we've been staring at forever from the performance too corridor, long you know just kind of hovering by the wine country just, just kind of uh, what can i see over the wall <laughs> There's been so many times I've seen guests walk by mm-hmm. and they either hold their kid up over the wall or they put a camera up over the wall and I'll gently be like, if you get caught doing that, you get asked to leave. Yeah. Because they don't want people putting cameras over the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all that being said, coming into the, it's the arc reactor, right? Is that yes. what we're standing in? Tony, uh, Tony has created a giant arc reactor that powers all of Avengers Campus. Interesting that the power is in the corner. That must be why Guardians flickers a little bit at times. Oh, I like that. I'm going to add that in there. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> that, so that area right there, the core reactor with, you know, there's the circular, um, you know, monogram like in, in the embedded into the concrete there. Yes. And then there's the various arms that go around. That's one of the parts of the land. Looks good during the day, but boy, does oh, it shine at night. Pops at night. Looks like a... Uh, splash page on a comic book like it really does so good and what i love about that is it adds in that blue hue that we'd seen mm-hmm. in all of the comp art yes so that circle that's there not only does that act design wise as a great way for you know because when people first come into something mm-hmm. they like stop and stutter and oh, now 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 put the books away or you know <laughs> put the ipad in the stroller yeah, so you're coming into someplace open your eyes and look at it yeah it gives you that sort of like 
coming and going because there's just something about the human brain where you know when people get in front of the Bermuda Triangle in Disneyland in front mm-hmm. of Indiana Jones. Oh my God, it's back. You know that. Oh, <laughs> by the way, we were doing a stream. I was doing a live stream where I was letting my moderator pick whatever I did that night. Okay, whatever he picked, I had to do it. And one of the challenges where I had to stand inside the Bermuda Triangle for like three minutes. God. I as st- soon as I stepped in the Bermuda Triangle in mm-hmm. front of Indiana Jones, for those of you who don't know, it's the area in front of Indy where people just gather at all times. Yeah, to have I was a there talk, whatever. for five seconds, and a guy just goes "Bricky," <laughs> and this dude literally fell from the sky with his child. And it was this guy Federalist who's been part of my live streaming for the last year. We met for the first time ever, mm-hmm. and I'm like, it really is like Lost. Oh yeah, like you go in there and you go through a portal where time and space bends, but that circle area right when you come in. That's a nice gathering spot. Also, I th- if I'm doing the math right, a little bit more room for people that are stopping to catch the Spider-Man Stuntronic show. Yes. Which, the Stuntronic show, I did a video over on YouTube that mm-hmm. is well over like 30,000 views. So you start to get lots of different opinions. Yeah. The people that are always going to be jaded have said rude things about how the Spider-Man looks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and do they mean the actual stuntronic or the stunt performer? The performer. Okay. There's been comments that he's overweight, which I don't agree with, and comments that it's a little bit cheesy. But I think that that show does two things for two different audiences. Mm-hmm. For a kid, and I've seen it through the eyes of a child being oh, there. Oh, my God. Yeah. They get jacked. They are. Yeah. It looks real to them. It looks real, too. I've had people confuse that stuntronic for a person, like yeah. 100%. Someone asked me the other day, how long did they have to train to do that? I was like, to do what? He's like, not, you mean not the tumbles on the boxes? He's like, oh, you mean the... I was like, that's not a person. That's a that's an animatronic. Yeah, the, when the animatronic goes off, that's when the adult... Because, you know, the, the, the plot of it's easy to follow. There's yeah. some good jokes in there. Like, mm-hmm. hey, I can see a roller coaster from here mm-hmm. and you know, all that stuff. Um, but when the stuntronic takes off, you know the people that are hardcore that know what they're there to watch. That's when there's the payoff for the adult. Yeah, and if that doesn't impress you, I don't know how you enjoy the world because you must be jaded at yeah. every level. Because that is every time I've seen it, and I've seen him now take flight. I think three or four times. Mm-hmm. It just wows me every time. Every time, like every time, audibly I go, yeah, like I'm pumped <laughs> to see it you happen. Have to be, yeah. And I, I, I mean, yeah, you, you hit it right there, saying just. It's such a jaded mentality. Like they they have Spider Man on a roof. Like any other time, I like I would have thought, oh, he's just gonna be in the ground. Like right. this guy spends time in the air, you know. And they got him on rooftops. He's he's jumping around. He's coming down. Like us. Like this is. I would have died as a seven year old seeing this. One of the dumbest comments I saw was, oh, no. "You ready for this? Oh, no. Sometimes they get so dumb they get entertaining. Though, I right? Oh, I'm ready. I'm bracing myself. I wish." You couldn't see that he was on the ropes. <sighs> Why didn't they use a clear rope? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so first off, a clear rope. Yeah. Do you really want to trust your life to a clear rope? Nope. I don't even think clear rope exists. Yeah. I want a, a thing I can feel, that yeah, steel, tactile. that grace, tactile yeah. steel oh, that's uh, hard. Oh, yeah. I want to know that when I'm dis- pretending to climb upside down a wall, mm-hmm. that I'm going to make it back to the ground safely. Yeah. But the whole show- uh, forgive me does it work this way every time it starts over at the edge of web slingers over on the guardians end mm-hmm. of the land where he's having a conversation with mr stark right yeah and then it goes behind the circuit city building and it's on the bridge <laughs> 
right? Yeah. It's on the bridge for a while. Then the stunt happens, and then he appears over on the brick building, right? Yes. Is that sort of the, the direction of the it? The smaller version of that show that I have seen is where they cut out the front part where he's over facing guardians and it's Aha. just the part where he runs out on the top and then goes to the stunt trying to then comes down okay because yesterday i wasn't actually in the land mm-hmm. i was in the performance corridor and it felt like he was trying to get everybody's attention from the brick area then was on the bridge and mm-hmm. did the script and the stunts and then he shot off and i'm like man it felt like that one started on the opposite side. Yeah. It's almost like gathering everybody in that direction. Yeah. I have to say the performance corridor is probably not where they want us to watch it. Mm-mm. And it's hard to really enjoy the stunts that he does on the bridge, all the flips and you yeah. know all the finesse in there. But it is a perfect view for the Stuntronic because mm-hmm. you're standing at an angle where when you're in front of the show, it goes up and high over you. Yes. So as it as it's getting more awesome, it's getting further away from you. But when you're in the performance corridor, it's coming right at you. Mm-hmm. And it looked more like a real person from that angle. Yeah, I like to put people actually legitimately on the reactor if they are in the land, just because of what the barricades are. Yeah. If we enter in, just hang out right here. Because he's obviously the voice is projected through speaker, and you can clearly see the tumbles that he's doing in the backflips. But that, like you said, gives the perfect advantage or vantage point of them coming down. And then you're also closer to when he appears to climb down the wall, which is also. I love yeah. that. I mean, except for the, the, the non-clear ropes, though. I mean, <laughs> like, it's great except for that. I read that comment. I go, is clear rope a thing? And by the way, it wouldn't actually be clear. It would probably be like plastic. Yeah. And then it would catch the light. And it would shine. And shine. So oh. it wouldn't work. So this is where I think we go next is talking about intellectually i know mm-hmm. that that's the former it's tough to be a bug theater yeah but man oh man is that part of the building really hidden and yeah. when you look at it from a satellite view they put so much around it extra mm-hmm. around it and you know on that side of the building largely the reason why you can't recognize the the it's tough to be a bug building mm-hmm. has nothing to do with the attraction as far as i'm aware of it's all about that stunt show yeah like that stunt show was a massive financial investment Mm -hmm. to put that as sort of a false facade as you're coming in. And what I think is genius about Avengers Campus, Mm -hmm. and yeah, I'm using that term about a land that people are giving two out of five stars, but (laughs) what I think is genius about Avengers Campus is think about this for a minute. When you went to the theme park to see a stunt show, you used to have to get your family together. You had to go into some sort of you know, a, an outdoor stadium. You had to sit in an, an amphitheater. You had to go and look at the sandwich board, 11, 15, 12, mm-hmm. 30, 125, 445. <laughs> Why do they take two hours off in the middle? And you had to like load in and then they would do it. And, it, you know, because they had you sitting in there, they had to go 20 minutes, 15 minutes. So you perceive it as value. Lots of bad jokes, real hokey, you know, volunteers from the audience, like once at a Six Flags yeah. in uh, Georgia, I was uh, Bruce Wayne. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. What a fun time that was. They did an explosion right over my head that I felt like I was going to burn my hair off because <laughs> I was on the stage with, you know, 10 seconds of training. But what's genius about Avengers Campus is, is that that whole rigmarole yeah. is just vertical, smacked into the side of that show building, doing three things with one building essentially yes and it, it's just it's right there on the path 
you don't have to go out of your way to see it. Mm-hmm. In fact, I caught it yesterday accidentally, which might have made it my favorite time ever because I was in the right place yes. at the right time. You Disney stumbled Magic. upon it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And as I understand it, the idea of Avengers Campus, anything, anytime, anybody can appear. Yeah. And I really think that, that if you stop and think about it, if Fantasmic just popped out of nowhere, oh, yeah. it would blow you away versus mm-hmm. the time that you stood there, your the legs got tired. Someone's like, do we really need to go do this? Why don't we leave early? Like, and you can feel everybody losing the faith, mm-hmm. right? Waiting for the show. It's just really, really genius to build that show vertically, to make it tall and narrow, and attach it to the side of an attraction building. It's, yeah. it's really thinking outside of the box. I love you mentioning the, the spontaneity of it. Because that's what makes it feel alive. I think same thing with, uh, obviously, we understand the time it takes to line up for a meeting greet character and you're in line for 30 minutes. You're like, oh, my God, what are we doing here? But when you have the characters living in the land that is based around them, you know, like Galaxy Edge turning the corner and two stormtroopers walk by you. Like that kind of, you get that feeling that you're actively in this world. And right. that's what they are hoping for every time. While there could be a stormtrooper meeting greet. You're now going against the narrative of the land that you are supposed to be living in these worlds. You know, it's almost like the spontaneity of the characters. I joked around with the guest the other day saying like, you know, they want these characters to just exist in this space. And, you know, oh, you're going to go ask a cast member say, oh, you know, what time does Loki come out? It's like, well, uh, Loki comes out at 3.30. It's like, would the real Loki just show up on time Absolutely somewhere? Not. Absolutely not. You can't trust not. that guy. You can't trust that guy at all. <laughs> 3.30, he could be 10,000 years in two universes from here. <laughs> that's right. Or he would come out at the exact wrong time just to mess with you because that's his character. Like, yeah. why would he show up? Would Tony be on time no. to meet you? Of no. course he wouldn't. <laughs> you think Tony could ever go from point A to point B without getting caught up into five other things? No. And He's, Loki would show up at 3.30 a.m. and be like, I said 3.30, but I didn't specify. <laughs> yes, you didn't say what time. No, it's that randomness that makes it awesome. But I mean, just really like what we're going to talk about a lot today, because this is what I'm trying to appreciate Avengers Campus for. The unbelievable creative challenge that it presented. Ooh, yeah. And I'm going to go by, they're going to do a campus in, is it Tokyo? Uh, Paris. But I know what's coming to Paris, but isn't one of the Asian parks getting one as well? Uh, Hong Kong has the Stark Expo, which is not technically a campus, but connected storylines where they initially debuted the Iron Man experience, which is like a motion simulator attraction similar to Star Tours. Yeah. And then they have the Ant-Man and the Wasp nano battle, which is a Buzz Lightyear reimagining. Right. And those two act as the Stark Expo, but only Paris and California will have active campuses. Got it. Because I look at it this way. Obviously, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge was designed for Disneyland. Yes. And then they said, what's up, Disney World? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> We're going to build this for you, too, you know, because they had so much extra space. Yeah. So they had to fit it into that extremely difficult footprint, which is Disneyland, which is why I love the park, because mm-hmm. it's all design constraints, Yes, which is where you come up with really creative problem solving. So one of the things I want to focus on is like, you know, at the end of the day, no matter what your review is, mm-hmm. bro, it used to be Bugs Land. Yeah, it you, used to be Bugs Land. I, I might make a t-shirt that say, bro, it used to be Bugs Land, yeah. and just wear it in there. Big letters. But, <laughs> so... The idea of problem solving is we got we got this huge, huge franchise, which mm-hmm. is Marvel. And people have given me crap because I've said Star Wars is struggling. Star Wars has not exactly found its place in the Disney ownership. Yeah. If you look at like the consistency of not only the the monetary gains, but also critical reviews and just overall satisfaction. 
and conclusion to you know storylines and fran you know uh, different you know uh, characters. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Marvel has been obviously they don't win it; they knock it out of the park every time. There are a few that are not the best, but because they are more consistent currently than Star Wars, and I say that as a person who ha- holds Star Wars just a tiny bit of a Marvel as a part of my fandoms that has grown up. I am definitely a Star Wars fan first, Marvel fan second. Mm-hmm. That being said, I've had way more enjoyment recently from marvel than i have Mm -hmm. from star wars but my core dna is i skew star wars because of Mm -hmm. my age you know yeah and they've uh, that's the that is the most consistent uh franchise you know star wars uh none of them will ever be perfect but if we're gonna base it on the last or since the ownership has happened that's what i go by yeah since the ownership has happened uh one has just done considerably more than the other one and that for sure right now is the defining franchise uh well mandalorian definitely has done star wars hey, a great number and of- that's the thing you know people gave me a little bit of uh flack because like well you know mandalorian's huge i'm like yeah but that's one project yeah. marvel has been able to consistently make things to the scale of mandalorian mm-hmm. over and over and over yeah. again and even take mandalorian projects and touch them a second time and increase the the joy so yeah marvel has proven itself which lends to you have this really really weird slice of land Mm -hmm. you're trying to figure out how to put as much into it as possible so the idea and and think about this visually what did a stunt show used to look like a flat horizontal stage Mm -hmm. with an audience seated out in front of it a typical theater stage audience think standing out in front of it yep sitting in front of it Take the stage, make the stage vertical. The stage is actually only about 30, it's probably about three to four feet wide, the stage. Mm-hmm. But all of the length that used to have is now vertical because it's, you know, 25, 30 feet in the air. Yeah. That already is creative problem solving. You literally took the stage, you took it vertically, and you smashed it on the side of a building. Mm-hmm. Where's the audience go? Wherever <laughs> they're at. Wherever they want to be. I mean, that is, if you really think about that design what the model used to look like and how they broke it apart and reattached it that is already a huge win just thinking wow we can now make performance integrated with inside of the parks Mm -hmm. which i don't think anybody would argue with me this new well somebody will always argue with me because it's disney fans and it's passionate and i get that that's why i love trolling them but (laughs) i think the new version of character meet and greets is superior yeah characters living in the parks they're always up high Everybody can always rip a selfie when they need to. They still give... I saw a little girl yesterday hold up her pigtails as Goofy held up his ears. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. You can still interact with them. Mm -hmm. You just don't have to touch them. Yeah. And I wouldn't want a bunch of sticky kids touching (laughs) me. So I get that. But now when we go into the the actual attraction, Mm -hmm. okay, so that's what's on the exterior, the far exterior. Yeah. When we come around the far side to enter... So much good storytelling in the outside queue. Yes. And my favorite part, this is where I go weird. All right, let me hear it. Everybody's like, oh, there's a new photo wall. There's that wall where there's all the different different colors, slats of wood or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't care about that. (laughs) I don't care about that. It's what I care about. There's like the little satellites and stuff in the middle. Mm -hmm. I don't care about that. Oh, Peter Parker left us a note in line. Get out of here. (laughs) That's a sign. I understand the difference. It's not real Sharpie. (laughs) The blue skylight yes that creates a canopy over you mm-hmm. is a work of art yeah i think you did you talk about it in one of your videos too right i gush over yeah. it. yeah 
Mm-hmm. Like I fell in love with that skylight because it's shading the audience. Yes. Big one. Crucial shade. It's on brand because it's like a Spider-Man blue, so they got a specific plate of blue glass and put mm-hmm. it up there that lets light go through it, but also create shade. So it's not like you know you're walking into a greenhouse effect. Yes, but the way that the shards of glass are all placed and everything, and the way that it, it interacts with the beams around it, it's sophisticated as my favorite detail of the shops in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, that when you go into the shops. That canopy of metalwork over you, mm-hmm. not only does it look different and outerworldly, but at night, the way they have the light in there, it feels like there's always moonlight mm-hmm. lighting the shops. And even that, the specific color they choose for the light yes. also, as opposed to just some very harsh light, it gives that moonlight effect to where there's just always a perpetual moonlight every time you go into that area. Which would make it feel very Star Wars mm-hmm. because, you know, exterior planets involving with your planets is a big part of the vibe, you know? Mm. You think one sun's hot, try living with two. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine what the Palm Springs of Tatooine must no. be like? I mean, it's a beautiful place, but I mean, my God, it gets but, up to 220 <laughs> in the summer. You're, you're just like absolutely <laughs> cooking. Uh, yeah, there's, there's definitely an art to designing a queue. And I also, too, like you appreciate... That that's the shade thing, obviously, one hundred percent. Just because those uh those the, probably this July next month is going to be pretty brutal. But yeah, that color, the color that was chosen, um, and the kind of like the almost the very the mixture of the old and the new was yeah. done so well in that area. Yeah, it, the thing is, is what I love about that that skylight, you know, awning mm-hmm. is that it's it's purposeful. It's designed with a purpose. We've got to give these people cover. We can't have them baking out here in the sun. Mm-hmm. If it's raining or whatever, like we need a way to protect people, but they do it in a way where it doesn't feel like that. Yeah. It feels like it's part of the story. I mean, the overall idea of the campus being an old warehouse, it works as a campus when it needs to. Mm-hmm. It works as an old industrial spot when it needs to. Yeah. Like the blue metal fencing that goes around it. Yes. If you've ever been to any studio, in, in Hollywood, mm-hmm. they all have that big fence. So whatever they're doing inside of there stays proprietary theirs. Yep. Nobody gets to see what they're doing inside. It's a secret. So the fencing that they have when they need it, when they don't have a building there, it just tells the story. And then wherever you see that blue fence, the pieces of radiator springs that we can still see, of course, that's what they're building in the next lot over. Yeah. Like this is our industrial complex. We're doing Stark stuff. Over there, maybe it's like a tire company or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. like it just they fit together so well where you can see a little bit of radiator above that fence. They could have made the fence five feet taller, <laughs> but they didn't. Yeah, because that combination makes it feel more real. Yeah, and you're just staring out in the mountains. Even on that, did you look at that old Stark map? They even kind of highlighted <laughs> it as well, a uh, little like a, a scrapyard. I was and saving the- that for when we got to Web Slingers oh. or Web Supply because <laughs> the, there's the the map you know on one side it kind of tells you where you're at and gives you like a little you know, story little story but on the back side there's the vintage map of what it looked like when it was mm-hmm. starks that map's phenomenal man. yeah and that kind of like oh no 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 we already plotted out what was here yeah. before we, so built we thought this. about that yeah <laughs> so that it all lines up but hopping back over to the web slingers i love that overhead that was my favorite detail there but that is a really beautiful cue if you get stuck in that thing you're going to be entertained there's going to be textures around you there's like so much story there but one of the things that i really enjoyed about it was is mm-hmm. that 
we got to go backstage. Yeah, you love a good backstage area. Oh, we got to go in that little courtyard mm-hmm. where you see the back of the animation building. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You see the back of where they do the plays for the kids. You see the side entry of Carthay Circle. Yep. And just being in that area, like when we went through the gate, I'm like, it was me and my friend Dylan from Theme Park Obsession. We went through that gate, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we'd been in the land since 8 a.m. And when we went through that gate, I'm like, oh, they just kicked us out. Like I got, <laughs> for a minute, I thought that they had kicked us out. You're done. But when we were back there, best thing I saw all day, all day at Avengers Campus with characters. Mickey and Goofy had just finished the shift over um, around Buena Vista Street. Mm-hmm. And so they're just walking down that alley. Yep. And they're just, you know, they got that, Mickey's got that stride in his step. Mm-hmm. And seeing them backstage, like they just finished something, waving everybody, and then going in another door when it's just them and they don't have a cast member liaison. Yeah. It's like, damn, it feels real. Yeah. It feels real. When they're real, alone man. like that, you, you, you get that feeling when they don't have anyone guiding them or even when they don't have to actively entertain anyone specifically in that moment like there's a kid i'm going to make sure i'm waving at this kid it's just them walking to the next place they're well, going that was to the thing. they were doing some utility yeah they were walking backstage going someplace inside of disneyland you're like it made it feel incredibly real mm-hmm. like these are active characters that exist in this place and it's it's just normal to see them finishing a thing and then walking off to the next thing so now getting inside of the web slingers the pre-show oh i love that i love the pre-show that- are you talking about the the, the, the waiting room beforehand or actually going into the pre-show? Skipping over the waiting room because mm-hmm. um, I didn't really see a lot in there because you know my mind's racing. <laughs> <laughs> there's tools on the wall, right? And yeah, they have like the bike uh, area where the, the inventors have put like their the stuff they're not using. Like, yeah. uh, however they used to get to the campus that yeah. day. Bikes, a skateboard, roller skates, yeah. You know, I don't even think I saw a bike in there. I was just like so <laughs> hyped up. Uh, so then going into the, the pre-show, mm-hmm. That set piece is phenomenal. Yeah, that I mean, I I don't know how much to say because obviously not everybody's had the privilege to ride it yet. But the mm-hmm. set piece has so much in there that you can discover, and the set piece itself has lights in it. Mm-hmm. You know, so as the story's going on, we shouldn't have that dessert, bro. You're getting ready to fade. No, I'm good. Everyone knew we shouldn't have the butter cake. <laughs> I see you going down on the ropes, um, but that set piece has so many like different like that lights up and that pops yeah and that like there's there's active components on the tables and stuff yes. that are moving and adjusting and i love the fact that it's essentially a room where they are working when no one's around but for the open house they've moved everything up to the front because they have you can see you can almost imagine that their individual desks are in the space just shoved in the corner and we just shut them out of the like way when you have a party yeah exactly push everything over mm-hmm. the side so you got more room and then the actual show that we get with Peter Parker and Spider-Man, the one-two punch of dual video boards, you know, using the shadow effects that we saw with Kylo Ren. Yes. You know, we're in Kylo Ren, the shadow's coming at us. And this effect, they, I'm, God, I'm trying not to ruin things, but mm-hmm. I just got to go in. <laughs> I just got to <laughs> so go in. I got I to say it. The fact that there is Spider-Man or Peter Parker is on one video board or plane. Mm-hmm. It almost looks like it might be like a ray type thing from yeah. from um, uh, rise, rise from rise. Mm-hmm. And then there is a, a projection wall behind that plane, so you're essentially looking at you know layman's terms, two TVs, mm-hmm. but you can see through one TV to get to the back TV. Yes. So the depth is very real looking, mm-hmm. and the fact that they're using shadows and lights and various things like it does have 
way more depth and definition to it than just watching it on one flat board. Because the cheap way would be put a big video board there and just play something. Yeah, just like, or he's just on a TV, you know, like if you've ever... Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Welcome to Soren. <laughs> I like that you got that just off of the one word. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know me. Hello. I'm, it's born and bred in there. <laughs> Um, little or, bootleg George Costanza <laughs> has to put his mouse ears under his seat. Hello. Hello. Um, or if you have seen, have you ever been on Guardians when Rocket does not work? The B mode for that. It's very rare because he's incredibly reliable, but he will appear on the screen mm. that Tantalir is. Um, and it makes you appreciate the fact that they went with that animatronic because we would have easily eaten up the fact that oh it's rocket he 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 cut into the video feed and he's talking to us from the tv Makes sense. which is how it, it is portrayed when that animatronic doesn't work so i always appreciate because they have that other small screen in the corner of web slingers where they're showing other um little footage on the sign but i appreciate right. they had because peter could have been like oh hey guys i'm from somewhere else they also the do that too with um millennium falcon right because yep. mm-hmm. sometimes honda will be over on the video yes, board if and he's I'm not ass- working and i'm assuming that I mean, maybe in some scenario that side TV might have to do that at the backboards mm-hmm. don't work. Yep. Wow. Where you appreciate that they went for it as opposed to just like, you know, just put him on the TV. It's fine. It's like, oh, no, no. We want him to feel like he's there with you. Like, oh, he's just running in and giving you a presentation. He runs out because that adds so much extra uh, context. Like you're in an open house. You're here to have someone show something to you. Right. So they should be in the room in theory with you. I, I just, that room is done so well Mm -hmm. that, you know, I was fortunate enough to get to um, go in there three different times. And it's just one of those things that makes me love Disney where every time I was in there, a new favorite thing appeared Mm -hmm. because there's so much crammed into three and a half minutes that you do not have the brain to process everything on your first visit. Even worse if you happen to be, like it's easier if if you happen to be one of the last people in the room because then by at that point, most of the stuff to look at is at the front, and you're essentially just watching Tom and the action from the back. But if you're in the front row and you have him telling you the story plus all that stuff on the table. And you're realizing that like the one desk in front of you, sparks fly off of it, and it flashes, and it lights mm-hmm. up. Like It's incredibly overwhelming if you're yeah. in the front. There's, you don't know what to look at. So now... The next part of that attraction, which I found interesting, is is you know we go through the lockers and sort of you know, you know the area where they live in. But as you start to go into the warehouse, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you remember the old theater, you entered on the ground level. Yeah. You worked your way down through the hallway. You stood next to your like little cave, and then you went into the theater. Like mm-hmm. you were working your way down, embedded in the ground. I guess so that the theater wouldn't be so tall mm-hmm. that you would see it from everything around it. You know, that's yeah, why yeah. they built the theater down in the, the like a pit, like in the pit. Mm-hmm. Um, so with this attraction, when you come around there and you're you're now like kind of leaving the office part. And you're going into the actual warehouse where they mm-hmm. would manufacture and construct things. Yeah. I love that room. I love the yellow lighting mm-hmm. that makes it feel industrial and warehousey. I love the uh, cut like vinyl, um, like uh, like those vinyl doors in a meat locker or whatever. Yeah, where you have the conveyor belt shifting things out yeah. where you can see the remnants of, yeah. of this converted space. Like the area where the, the CM operates it, like where they're in that like metal booth. I mean, it just mm. looks 
so cool in there. Did you see the uh, the manager sticker? Yeah. On the top. Yeah. It's like that's like the essentially the foreman where his office would be looking down on the industrial floor. I love that little touch too. There's that window, and then like over in the far right, there's those, like those plastic things that they put in warehouse doors, mm-hmm. like that slit, you know, like a meat locker or yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's like they kind of move so yeah, product will go to like through. keep air from flowing yep. and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's all great, but it just it literally feels like you just walked into a legit real warehouse. Mm-hmm. And the next part of the ride, I love the ride vehicle. The, yeah. The scale of it, the size. Huge. No glass. Yeah. And when you're sitting in yours looking at the people across from you, you look like a rock star with that blue light shining yeah, down on you. Yeah, you do. <laughs> but that ride, it's got to be one of the biggest ride vehicles they've ever it's made. It's a massive ride vehicle. And I, I, I want to say it was you that we talked about this long ago, but- I feel like it's very it's a very rare occurrence when you have a ride vehicle and it goes over your head. Yes. Most things you're sitting on top of and it's a covered convertible. It's, yeah, it's convertible. Like there's nothing above it so like Indy racers, rise like and if especially we're thinking of a dark turn or dark ride or anything in fantasy land but to have you step inside of something but also have such a huge open window. It's like aerial shell but it keeps going. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But yeah, it's a massive vehicle, and it, 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 uh, I think that helps with the experience that you're going to be stepping into something that's, um, in some ways, more elaborate than it actually is. Like it feels like a bigger experience because you're boarding, like you're almost being sealed into it. Well, it's also like the Tesla of of attraction carts. Mm-hmm. It makes zero noise. Yeah, it's, it glides. Yeah, the way that the doors open and close at the same time like that it's just yeah. so smooth mm-hmm. and quiet i mean it is such an amazing ride vehicle mm-hmm. and the way that it it's it's exterior design but in a way it also feels very urban very spider-man because it kind of feels like you're also like you're in a warehouse mm-hmm. but also you're on a subway platform yeah yeah like it's kind of a combination of both which plays in well to new york city and sort of the vibe of uh-huh. of peter parker and then the attraction is really fun. It's so much fun. I don't prefer game style attractions. Mm-hmm. I like to sit back and do nothing and watch a show and sort of just like be inside of a story. Yeah. But as far as game attractions go, I put Buzz at the bottom, Midway in the middle, mm. and this far, far, far in ahead. front. And I love that I don't have to touch anything. Like yeah. the, the way that it interacts with my human, like the first time I web sling, like as my elbow fully extended. And the web came out. I verbally, like I didn't, I just like audibly, like just fell out of my. I'm like, it works. <laughs> like I couldn't believe that it worked. As because everybody kept saying I was going to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah oh, sure. Yeah, sure. you're gonna you're gonna shoot a web. You know, yeah, 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 oh, sure, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. yeah, cool. Flawless. Yeah, and even when Tom explains in the video, it's such a very quick thing, and I think people have the natural like natural thought process of getting into attraction and being able to interact with something in it. Like, you know, you're supposed to be playing something or shooting something, but having nothing there. So when it, when it works, you're like, Oh wow, this is actually happening. And when they may not shout audibly like you, there's a very like fascinate, there's a fascination that comes with the fact that it's, it's, it's happening. And not only is it happening, but it's happening at a fast rate. It's moving as quickly as you're moving. Which is fantastic. And the fact that all the video boards, you know, the different levels of the Mm -hmm. game, are all things actually in the canvas. Yes. Like the fact that you're going through the environment that you're living in and you're seeing things that you recognize and Mm -hmm. getting to go to places that you can't go to, but it makes it feel more real because you're like, well, if 
you know, if you could go in this building, that's what it would be like. Yes. On my third ride, when I wasn't filming it, the thing that I loved the most was the throwing my web and then pulling, pulling things. things back. Yeah. The last time, I don't know how many spider bots I hit, probably none, because I was just trying to destroy as much stuff as possible. In the, in the backgrounds and stuff. Yeah, yeah, just like grabbing things and like breaking boxes and like in the in the collection. Mm-hmm. I was just like smashing all so those. many good Easter eggs. Oh yeah. So many good Easter eggs. And I found that when you you know when you web sling you're playing the game. But when you throw and then pull back like you pull an item towards you mm-hmm. that's when the game gets more interactive yeah right that's when you start unlocking things and doing things so i found the attraction to be really really beyond what my expectations were i found the rewrite ability to be very very high mm-hmm. i'm sure playing it as iron man would be fun yeah and you know if you have the budget and you want to carry something around go for it i don't see anything wrong with that but I'll tell you right now, if you do the "quote unquote" free version that you get with your ticket, that's perfect. Oh yeah, it's 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 such a subtle add-on, which I've because you've done to, it right. Yeah, I've done it. Um, it's such a subtle add-on, I, and I think it means more to the individual person playing because I'm almost certain that if someone rode next to someone playing that, the like the kinetic frenzy of the game, you would not even notice that someone else had. A different ability than you because there's especially if you had four people in there like yeah. it's very it's very chaotic like you know four people shooting webs and essentially shooting webs from you know if you count four people eight arms are all shooting constantly at all the, and then the spider bots there are just they by the time you get to the last level there are thousands it's of hilarious them. just it's like absolutely chaotic that you cannot discern that i happen to be shooting my webs are electric because there's just so much happening so i think the individual person is really seeing okay i know i bought this thing it's supposed to do these things so they're keying in on the fact that i am doing something unique as opposed to the person thing on the far end from them yeah i would have no idea like it's such a subtle thing and i think people without actively seeing it happen they're imagining like oh you're gonna be getting an extra level of the game or you get an extra minute of ride time i don't even care what the score is Mm -hmm. just doing that is fun it's just fun and on one hand it's the fastest four and a half minutes of your life. Yeah. But on the other hand, how much stuff you do in four and a half minutes is fascinating. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where like it's perception. Did it feel like it took forever? Or did it feel like it went too fast? Because it's a lot in yeah. four and a half minutes. Like it is a lot of sensory overload. Uh, if you're somebody that is sensitive to loud noise and lots of stimulation, it might not be for you because mm-hmm. the sheer volume of how the story just keeps building and building yeah. and building, it is a sensory overload. Yeah, there's a lot going on. And it's fun. It's like a fun thing, especially because it involves teamwork. And I think unlike uh, Buzz or Midway Mania where your objective specifically is to beat the person sitting next to you, it allows you to have more fun with it because you're supposed to be working as a team. The, The game actively gives you more points if you all work together as a team. And I like that aspect of it because it's, you know, you have, it's a family attraction. You're there with your family, you know, and, Essentially, the same sequence in Smuggler's Run where you're getting the second thing of uh, of Coaxium, where the pilots need to line up behind the train, gunners shoot, and the engineers, you know, wrangle the train in. I I love that teamwork aspect of it. Uh, like there's the scene in Web Slingers where Spider-Man's caught, you know, and you're supposed to help like that. Th- these things where you all need to work together as a team to succeed and get a higher point value, even if you don't get it. Um, I love that aspect of a family of four or four buddies, you know. Just having a blast, ripping it, and really enjoying themselves. I'll tell you something else I like about it that's creative. Exit 
across to the gift shop. Ah, yeah. Look, we don't always uh, (laughs) like like small world. You don't go straight into the gift shop. You get an option. It's across the street. Mm -hmm. Web supply is really small. Yeah. And it shows... It shows just how small the land is because you know we got to put this in here, but we can't give up too much space for yeah. the store. Um, I, I think it holds like maybe fifteen parties right now yeah. t- due to regulations, and soon it'll be more than that. But you know, look up. There's some good details yeah. in there. You know, I'm sure a, a more trained Spider-Man fan would know what some of those Easter eggs were. But I had fun going in there, and I liked that the store is like half of it fills warehouse and old. You know, some of the, the the racks that things are on looks like an old draftsman's desk. Mm-hmm. But then when you get to the far side of the store. The left-hand side is the the, the sleek. The science, know, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like the tech part of it. And the fact that that uh, shop, which is across the road from the attraction, is giving you the leaderboard yeah. of, of scores. That's a cool touch. Mm-hmm. Didn't have to do that. No, they but, didn't have to put that back there. But the fact that the attraction, which is you know in another building, it's being tracked elsewhere. Like that's just cool. Yeah, you're like, oh, well, you like you pop in there later on in the day and you see your your score is still up there, which is really fun. And, or see, oh, someone else has got a little bit higher. Or yeah, that that kind of stuff is fun. And they really didn't need to add that there. They could have put anything in that backspace where those screens are. So, as another fun bit of. Uh, connectivity with the land yeah. to just what many would consider just a shop, quote unquote. You know, but you know the connectivity of that land is is really crucial. Outside of that shop, there's like what has already become the impromptu stroller dip off. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, an interesting little courtyard, and just you leave that open. That's cool. But compartmentalizing this land makes it just feel like oh, now there's this area. Yeah, and then on the other side of that, we have Doctor Strange's Sanctum, which. The part that blew me away the most, <laughs> and and this just made me love Walt Disney Imagineering so much and their their commitment to story, is the Sanctum matches Guardians so well. The color. The, yeah. The color of the building, the textures, the Art Deco type styling and mm-hmm. everything. Like those two buildings, you know, the core of um the the uh mission breakout you know the the the, the basis of that building mm-hmm. like its overall vibe it matches the sanctum like yeah. they are one and the same and they're detailing the time period uh, also if you look at the burn marks you know about halfway up uh mission breakout it's so hard not to call it tower <laughs> about halfway up mission breakout there's like you know a burn area and it's all kind of like wavy and it looks like you know it was affected on its re-entry into our atmosphere those shapes those colors are the exact same thing that's on the wall right in front of me Mm -hmm. and if you stand in some spots because of the height of mission and where the proximity of the um sanctum is yeah you kind of look right over hq and you just see, you know, the tower towering over the sanctum, mm-hmm. and the relationship between the two buildings is like flawless. Yeah, I'm waiting for like uh, any you know Disney photographers to come in and get those shots with the two of them together. Yeah, uh, you know, from uh, sanctum staring up at uh, the fortress. It's a beautiful look. Yeah, and it really it's dynamic, and you just go, man, when they built tower, you know, when they did the tower rethemed yeah. the Guardians. 
did they know this was coming or when they built this did they go we got to make something, we gotta make match, something that, match it you yeah know? It, it, it's hard to figure out if it's a chicken or the egg type of thing <laughs> because the two of them match so well there you go friends there was the free version of today's episode to hear part two please go over to club 1313.com sign up today become a member you'll get an extra hour of conversation as well as access to all of the bonus episodes and the various different meetups that we do whether it's through zoom watching disney movies together whether it's through zoom getting together and recording podcasts together talking about a certain topic or the real life meetups that we do at the park got a big one coming up next month so excited to get back to hanging out with my buds inside the park and what is amazing about our discord channel is is that a lot of times i'll see people be like i'm in the park today who else is there let's meet up let's let's ride something together let's hang out and i love the idea that you can always just kind of have a friend at disneyland or meet a new friend inside of disneyland it's the community aspect of this is so much bigger and better than what i ever could have dreamt it to be and it's kind of one of those moments where you just kind of make something and then it takes off and you're like yeah yeah i made it but I didn't make the magic. The people made the magic. Sign up today over at club1313.com to hear the second part of today's episode where Philander Butler and I talk all about Avengers Campus, everything we love about it now, and how we see it growing and scaling into the future as a very, very important chapter in the Disneyland story. Part two begins right now at club1313.com. One criticism is the Doctor Strange show Mm -hmm. is like impossible to get into. Yeah. It doesn't hold that many people. And with the way that they did, you know, there's an inner wall around the courtyard. Mm -hmm. And then there's vegetation. And then there's another wall around the courtyard. And they pretty much did a good job that, you know, where where an inner wall dips low, the outer wall dips high. Yes. So there is not that many exterior looks into that. Mm -hmm. Um, And because the land is new and everybody wants to be in there, just the flood of people around that thing yeah, is crazy. When they know it's going to step off, it becomes a huge crush to try to see it, which of course it's new and some people spend a long time trying to get in and they want to see every little bit of it. So yeah, that'll thing that will be something that has to kind of be worked at over time so that most people get a chance to see it. But yeah, it's, it's tough and it will help once we kind of break down the, you know, the, the type of distancing necessary yeah, the limitations. Yeah. Cause I'm sure they felt a lot better about it before the pandemic well that's another thing you got a small land uh-huh. designed about putting as many things there impossible designed in a time period way before we're at yeah. right now <laughs> yes like they they're like oh man there must have just been moments where they're like uh what did we do what did we do because they could easily on the other side of dr strange there's like that little plaza area right uh-huh on one hand, guests sit there and it just looks like a planter. Mm-hmm. But what it really is is a step up moment for the Dormelage to yeah, instru- or the characters instruct yeah. or Loki and Thor hold court up there and and talk to guests. Um, but they could have easily, in a different scenario, that strange courtyard could have had room to grow. Mm-hmm. But they went intimate. Yeah, in the worst time in history to go intimate. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that that design element of like wanting to give all these different spaces some love, but not one being too much. Because in theory, the attraction should be the biggest thing in the land for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. You got the attraction itself and queue for it and whatnot, the most dominant thing mostly in the land. But then to like obviously we need to have a place to eat and a few things. So yeah, going intimate with Strange I think is nice because I don't think any of the sanctums that are that we've at least seen on film are these massive structures. Sure, they all seem tiny, like quaint. 
but yeah, it just becomes a tough, it's almost like the Wizarding World effect where J.K. Rowling for Universal wanted to them to essentially build the set for people. And while that is beautiful and works amazing, when you get everybody in there, because obviously Hogsmeade has 200 people in it. What like, are you talking about? You know, you know Wizarding World. What is that? Harry Potter. Oh, I don't talk about that jerk. <laughs> oh, he's a jerk. <laughs> that little kid with the lightning on his head? Yeah, the one with the glasses. Nah, nerd. <laughs> nerd. Get out of here, witch. <laughs> <laughs> but she built a theme. They, had, they built a theme park, like a set. Mm-hmm. And then they put theme park crowds into the set. And that became an issue because it was built for 200 people, but now there's 2,000 people in it. Right, and it falls apart quickly. It falls apart quickly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that area is really, really nice. And that's just, you know, like there's that area where there's the two water fountains and the water refill station mm-hmm. that is like- Dipped off to the dipped side. Dipped off. Yep. And I mean, I knew it was going to be small because all of the photos were shot with a really wide lens and I yeah. could see the bending in it. I'm like, oh, that, that area is mm-hmm. tiny. And it's always either we're looking at the actual where the show is or the orb the courtyard yeah you don't they don't really show anything else but you know where the orb is at there's the photo spot on the other side of the the ground does like the dipping ground yeah Mm -hmm. that i don't care about (laughs) but the wall on the other side of it yeah yeah that wall's beautiful Mm -hmm. i'm the guy who gets nerdy about the wall because the walls like has that galaxy's edge like patina in it but yeah. it also has the vertical structures and it's kind of where like the oh, like where the speakers are yeah mm-hmm. it's kind of like where the you know all the detailing of the sanctum starts to slowly like kind of evolve you know like gradient out of that area it's mm-hmm. a transitional piece just i love that they put that little parklet over to yeah. the side of it so now we're over to what they refer to as the courtyard which that avengers a is so big i bet most people don't, oh yeah they, have no idea. they don't even know they're walking on the logo but looks Massive. super sweet from up above in the air. Oh, though. man. <laughs> from the, the Quinjet, which I've flown, uh, it, <laughs> it looks amazing. No, that, that courtyard area, that's a really nice space. And knowing that the e-ticket will come, mm-hmm. it makes sense that there's that big swell of space because yeah. that's going to be where people are coming are and going. Coming to race there or- uh, Slow down. You're not racing yet. Korea. <laughs> Slow down. <laughs> Just follow me to town to get ready. Oh, I wish. <laughs> I wish I could. <laughs> But yeah, having that open space where you're creating almost a secondary Bermuda Triangle where people are asking questions outside and people are wondering where to park the stroller and they're asking cast members, like that kind of sp- like space and thinking for the future, yeah, it's it's important. And while we don't know exactly where that stuff will end up, having that big open space is nice because I know we've talked about in the past the, uh, the issue with uh, racers where you have the fast pass machines initially to the immediate right <laughs> who thought of that one yeah and then you you go down you turn a corner so the in front of like essentially the, the best attraction in the entire park is this tiny alleyway and you're like oh yeah too much is... in one spot yeah <laughs> <laughs> stroller parking to the left entrance in front of you and fast fast machines to the right of you well one thing that i take from the courtyard of avengers campus mm-hmm. Is that was designed to a have lots of room for the second you know e ticket attraction, yeah. But it was also put there to make good use of HQ, yes. which is a giant stunt show. That courtyard is very similar to where the Falcon resides. It is, which gives me hope that we've there's two courtyards in Galaxy's Edge: the courtyard in front of Kylo's little ship, mm-hmm. and then the courtyard where Falcon's at. Mm-hmm. It gives me hope that they will start using those stages where the Falcon's at. Yeah. Because it was definitely, if you look at how that's designed, 
it's the same design so that means when you see that big swell show should be somewhere adjacent to you mm -hmm. and i'm hoping that some of the crowd reactions of avengers bleeds over Prompt. into yeah. uh, galaxy's edge because it was designed for it it just hasn't been used yet and that's frustrating to me but as far as the well before we get to the hq that exit where they're doing legacy pass holder photos to otakar's land yeah oh, what a beautiful spot of the land yeah I've never exited out of there. I've only ever gone out the way that I came in. Mm -hmm. But that little area is just beautiful, man. Yeah. You get the like old remnants of what used to be like the SSR kind of bunker area yeah. or an area of the campus that you can imagine Tony hasn't gotten to yet, where it's still kind of a bit left over. Um, it's nice. I, I love the all of the distressed look of everything. It feels old. Like a place that feels abandoned, like if you kind of snuck in somewhere at night in a building that had...